Welcome to the Beacon broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com, beaconbaptist.com. The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We are now ready to get into the body of the First Thessalonian epistle, for which we have been laying the background for the last several broadcasts. And so I begin by reading the salutation, which is verse 1. It says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a very familiar sounding salutation. If you are a regular student of God's Word, even if you're just a regular reader of God's Word, that sounds very familiar to you because a salutation very similar to this one is found at the beginning of all of Paul's epistles. And he always followed the same general format, but of course, there were details that were specific to each particular epistle. So this salutation is not exactly like the one to the Romans and so forth, but the format is the same. In fact, what we realize as we study Paul's epistles is that he followed the customary epistolary format of his day. Now, that's a lot of big words, so let me slow down and, and break it down. An epistle, of course, is a letter. A letter has a standard format. When I was in school, we were taught the format for a business letter and the format for a personal letter, which are somewhat different, primarily because the inside address is not put at the beginning of a personal letter. But for a business letter, of course, that's expected. And we were expected to understand the format, the standard format, that everybody, nearly everybody follows in writing letters so that we could communicate properly and effectively in the world in which we lived. Paul followed the standard epistolary format of his day. He used it, of course, to communicate truth about the gospel, but his epistles in their structure mirrored that of any epistle in the day in which he wrote. And so we'll go on from there, but thank you for joining me on this Friday, February 9, and thank you for keeping in mind that we can only teach God's Word on this station as we are supported financially by radio listeners just like you. Perhaps you would prayerfully consider being one of our supporting listeners. So this is the standard format, which means that in the format you find the identity of the author, 
the identity of the recipient, and the standard greeting of the day. We all have, in whatever language, in whatever culture, in whatever country, we all have rather standard ways of greeting one another. Some formal, some informal. An informal one in America today would be something like, well, hi there, how you doing? Now, most people really are not expecting an answer, or at least not a detailed answer to that question. How are you doing? Well, since you asked, I will give you a rehearsal of all the things that I've been through over the last 12 months. No, that's not what we're doing. This is a, this is a standardized greeting. How are you doing? And people can say, I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing so-so, thank you. I'm struggling, thank you for asking. We, we can give a short response to that standard greeting, but all of us understand that that's what it is. It's, a, it's a, an informal greeting that is standardized and which people do not expect a detailed response to that. And that's true in any culture. And so Paul is giving the standardized format, whereas, interestingly, in the epistles of his day, the name of the author came first. That makes an awful lot of sense. There have been many times through the years when I have received a letter, and I did not recognize the handwriting or perhaps the address on the envelope. And so what do I do? Well, I do the same thing you do. Before I start reading the letter, I turn to the end and see who signed it. I, I need to know who the author is, who it came from, because if I don't know who it came from, then I have difficulty processing what I'm reading. You know, who's saying this? Who's this, who's this coming from? It's a, it's a great mystery, and so it makes a whole lot of sense to put the author's name right up front. I don't know why we don't do that in our culture today, but that's exactly what they did. I might also add, as an aside, if you send me an anonymous letter, I probably won't read it. I know, <laughs> sometimes curiosity drives me to do what I normally don't do. <clears throat> but I've learned over the years that when people send a letter and are not willing to sign their name, that it's not worthwhile. And so it generally goes right into the circular file at the end of my desk, and it gets carried out the next time the custodian comes to clean the office. Now, if you want to communicate with me by letter, that's not nearly as common today as it used to be, sign your name so that I'll know who this is from, so that I can make sense of what is being said. And in Paul's day, that was right up front. So what do we learn about the identity of the author? And here's what it says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the Church of the Thessalonians. So interestingly, there is not just one author named, but three. Paul, Silvanus, which is the long form of Silas, we know him as Silas, and Timothy, we all know who Timothy is, or Timothy was, or Timothy is, because Timothy is in heaven, but he's still very much alive and well, and we can talk to him someday. Well, this is not uncommon in Paul's epistles either, to name not only himself as the author, but a couple of the ministry companions who are with him at the time that he's writing. So, in a sense, what he's saying is this letter is being sent by 
those who are with me and who are communicating this to you. But it will be understood that the other authors are simply simply uh, present. It may be that they had some part in the writing of the letter. It may be that Paul would ask them to read it over. This is what I have written to send to the Thessalonians. Do you see anything here that you would question or whatever? I, I don't know if Paul did that or not. I really rather doubt it. I'm not su- suggesting that that's likely. It is possible that either Silas or Timothy served as his secretary because Paul didn't actually write his own letters with his own hand, but he dictated them to a secretary in that day called an amanuensis, which would inevitably be another man, not a female secretary like we are more accustomed to in our day, which generally, in, in many cases at least, aren't even called secretaries anymore. They're called administrative assistants or whatever. But be that as it may, everybody understands that when you get a letter from Paul, no matter who else's name is attached to it, the letter is from Paul. Paul is the actual author. Now, it's interesting that in this particular case, he does not say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, or some similar language. An apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He doesn't mention his position, his title, his appointment as an apostle, in all of his epistles, but he does in many of them. And we aren't told exactly why he mentions it in one case and not in another case, but it's likely that it has something to do with the condition of the church that he's writing to. There are some churches in which the apostleship of Paul was being called into question, either by people in the church or more likely by critics outside the church who were trying to influence people inside the church. You find that sort of thing in the Corinthian epistles that we have just studied through on the Beacon broadcast. But there's nothing in the Thessalonian epistle to suggest that anyone is challenging, anyone is criticizing, anyone is denying that Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ, so probably he doesn't feel like it's necessary to mention it. Because, as you study the epistles of Paul, you will learn that Paul prefers what I would call a low-key approach to his authority. He employed his title, apostle, and utilized his God-given authority only as necessary. In other words, only when it was being challenged, only when somebody was saying, You don't have the right to say that. You don't have the right to command that. You don't have the right to tell us to do that. Well, yes, I do. Why? Who are you? I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. That's a very special office. And there aren't any of those today, but there were in the first century. There were apostles who were men who were trained by Christ, who were witnesses of the resurrected Christ. They had seen Christ after his crucifixion, risen from the dead, and they were commissioned and authorized by Christ to proclaim his word 
and to build his church. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What prophets? New Testament prophets, I take that to be. I do remember a discussion many years ago with a brother who was quite convinced he was talking about Old Testament prophets, but there were, there were New Testament prophets as well. And they were people to whom the Word of God came to them by revelation, which they declared unto others. So, to say that one is a New Testament prophet, and this would also apply to Old Testament prophets, but to say that one was a prophet means he was one who spoke the Word of God. So, he had special function in the founding, maybe I should say in the foundation of the church. And so, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone, but the apostles and prophets being the foundation, is what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. So yes, Paul had special authority. As an apostle of Jesus Christ, he was laying the foundation for the ongoing structure of the church, made up of many churches, plural, but the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he had God-given authority to carry out that office, and that carried a certain amount of authority with him. He could command people as an apostle, and they were expected to obey him as an apostle. But he doesn't mention it unless he needs to. He's not one that goes around flaunting his position. Look at me, I'm an apostle. Listen to me, I'm an apostle. Do what I say, I'm an apostle. No, Paul... Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll take it up on the broadcast Monday. Join me then. Until then, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.